Uh, well, The Cage was a short film that we made. We shot it back in the fall of 2016. And then we released it in the spring of 2017. And it was a short that we made uh, right where our office is in North Philadelphia with a handle of our friends and neighbors that we live near and then just the local crew there. Does that feel like a lifetime ago? No? Yeah, it does yes. feel like a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. It's like not, it's weird because I'm like, oh, it's not that many years ago, but a lot's happened. Four years and three years is still on. Yeah, just, yeah, a lot, a lot of has happened. Yeah, so it does feel big distance. Um, obviously, it's, it's interesting to think back in light of now being in the future from it. We had no idea what we were doing or, you know, what it would become for us, but we definitely recognized our desire to make something narrative. Like Dan and I had written together for yeah. probably close to a decade at that point. And yeah. it really dawned on us that while commercials were great, we loved it. Our company was doing great. It was like never going to lead to making movies. It became pretty evident to us. Um, I had a producer that I worked for before I started the company that uh, has still a mentor to me, but basically nailed nailed it on the head which was like he, you know this producer's name sam mercer had worked for spielberg and and night Shyamalan and huge directors and it's like basically like making commercials is no longer an avenue to making movies you got to make a short and so it was like this feeling of sadness that all my commercials <laughs> <laughs> making movies but it was that hard push i needed to be like you just got to go do it and so he gave me some pieces of advice on what producers like him look for. And, you know, we put that script together, but it was a real, uh, I don't know. It was in a lot of ways for me, but for both of us approving of like, can we actually step out of the potential of one day making movies into the reality? Of like, can we? Yeah. Yeah. That in and of itself was a very proposition to me. Cause I felt like if I failed at this, I was going to quit directing. Yeah. Or at least like, in my mind, I don't even call myself a director until I did. I did that. Yeah. Uh, me personally, um, and so yeah, we. I mean, we shot that in October. Can, can, can you? Um, I don't know the full story here, but um, I know you guys had like kind of been putting money aside for something like this. Is that correct? Because I know people are going to wonder, like, well, how'd you pay for it? And maybe walk yeah. us through what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. Comcast. Is how we <laughs> commercial. We um, yeah. So we, I know we've talked about it before. I think we called it like professional tithing or creative tithing. Creative tithing. Yeah. yeah. But I think we, you know, once we had kind of made the decision together, like, a no one's going to do this for us. I think there's once you're in the momentum of a project, it's obviously easier to bring partners along. Um, yeah. but I felt like we didn't want to waste a year or two years trying to get someone else to pay for it. Yeah. So it was just a matter of like, no, we just gotta, we gotta find a way and commercials were the, were the Avenue. And, and we had just done this massive six city campaign for Comcast, yeah. um, that, um, Ricky really enjoyed as a director and it was very fulfilling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, those are my favorite commercials I've ever no, made. No, I'm, I'm totally like, joking. No, I mean, it's like to be fair, let's not discredit what I did. <laughs> they are, or our clients. We love our clients. <laughs> you know how many people 
were happy with their cable because of that. No, they, they, <laughs> no, they are they are honestly by like we did another campaign again in 2018, 18, and I absolutely love doing them because yeah, it's actually great. Yeah, um, they're big jobs, so they're like everyone gets actually paid. Yeah, that's awesome. nice. <laughs> you know, you don't have to make that call. We're like, I got this. The creative is really good. <laughs> but you're making no money and yeah. almost by doing it. But no, it's just really whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The point <laughs> is, we came out of that, um, and that kind of accelerated the tithing. It was like a massive influx because of that yeah. project. And we were basically sitting mid-year 2016, having kind of like met like our financial goals for the year. And so it's kind of like a a moment in time where we're just like, this, this has to be it. Let's yeah. we're gonna have finally have the freedom to instinctually knew that we needed to, which was, you know, I had seen a lot of passion projects kind of come together, not happily, but in a very, the very small margins that most commercial filmmakers have to make a passion project. And it's kind of like on weekends and nights. And it kind of, um, I felt like ultimately, limits the potential of what you can do because you just are, are limited by time and, and money. But so for us, it was like, wow, we could actually treat this like a narrative film. We could prep it appropriately. We could say no to other projects so that we have an, like, uh, you know, to, uh, to make this very like stoop casted and like with friends and very like, it was going to have to be very organic how it came together not only with crew, but just with, with the cast and, and the neighborhood and everything else. So we just needed time. So I think we're very aware uh, and grateful that we, for those projects that allowed us to do that kind of on a, on a turn versus like over time, yeah. um, we, we totally recognize the kind of uniqueness of that. Um, so so anyway, you had the cage ready at that point or was it like, okay, we need to go develop this immediately and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of like heads down from that moment. I think it was like we were maybe June yeah. and we shot in October and it was just like writing and prepping. And But what was what was amazing about it, and now especially kind of having going through, uh, made another film, is like I think we didn't really know what we were doing, but in some ways like we did it appropriately in the sense that we're, we were prepping it even as the script was coming together, we were starting to talk about cast. Like we just, we took it very seriously, which is kind of for Ricky and I, what we've always done. We, we wrote when no one read our stuff 10 years ago, like it was going to be made. Like we thought, I always thought we were going to win an Oscar. Yeah. I mean, this this is the one. This, yeah <laughs> It was kind of a, a bit of, in, like a bit of a foolish. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like a full a foolish optimism that we've kind of always had like we probably have to have eventually right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah we always acted like we belonged yeah. in the room yeah like even though we were like way up in the nose <laughs> did something yeah. feel different at this point though like when you guys went into this what felt different with the cage yeah like as far as just being feeling prepared to to take it on successfully like actually making a, uh, a narrative thing that you could be proud of where you know well, as I before think, i think what from like a producing standpoint what made there were two things that made me but i think we feel good was these comcast jobs are, were massive so like 
our production savvy of how to like run well orchestrated massive machines had like been exercised. Yeah. And then during that campaign, one of the things that as a director, like, you know, you watch them and you probably think, Oh, that's just, I've seen that Comcast commercial a million times, but he used all real people. And I feel like I unlocked something in myself mm-hmm. of like recognizing I can get very like regular people to actually act. Yeah. So there was this like instinct I had when I looked around at my friends in the neighborhood where I was like, they could be storytellers in a story yeah. in their own story. And so there was this like, I felt the precipice of having to like make the leap to test these things we'd always wanted to do, you know? And even to someone listening, like one of the things that's also scary is like, yes, we saved money and Yes, thankfully we had these big commercials to help fill the coffers, but I don't think we're alone in that. A lot of commercial directors can make very formidable living, right. you know. Yeah. When you put the money aside, it's one thing, but it's another thing to then spend the money. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's still money. It's still money that Dan and I could just split ourselves and pay for our families and go live. And yeah. No one's making us do it. But the other advice I'd give is I actually – this is just my personal opinion. I don't think there, if you want to make movies or TV or just anything narrative and you're making commercials, I actually don't think there's another bridge besides making shorts. Mm. that are like full fledged scripted acted narratives. I, I just, opinion maybe there, there are plenty of other avenues I'm sure, but I just don't can't imagine our careers without having made the cage. Yeah. It's like literally, everything had pivoted off of that project. So as an encouragement, I guess, is to like, it's just a scary thing you have to do. (laughs) Yeah. And I would also encourage that like those that have made passion projects, like those reps, whether it leads to the same type of opportunities, like those reps were incredibly important. Like when I produced uh, a passion project before the cage called Carp and Mayhem, like a crash course for me um, yeah. because I was really in that one that was in a lot of ways I was like producing it in some sense on my own a little bit I mean it was basically me and a director and a DP for most of the time you know yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah I mean I remember I sent you an encouraging work <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> super encouraging not right? working on it with yeah you. <laughs> of, the, you know, of the 400 emails I was doing that was the most important to read at that time <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, and that one was like probably I think the second or third project I'd ever even produced in general. So it was like a, it was a crazy, you know, kind of crash course of being thrown into the fire, you know, with Deep Felice and Khalid, you know, just like they're at their, you know, top of their game in terms of what they were throwing at me and what we were throwing at So it was an awesome learning experience. So I think, um, even that, that rep really helped me from a producing standpoint when we got to the cage. And certainly um, when we got to Concrete Cowboy, I think that's an encouragement as well. So much that you're doing now translates, yeah. will, will translate right. to what you ultimately do. Like those, those things are, it's not that night and day in terms of how you have to build teams and relate to people and, and get the best out so of So you, you shot the cage, I guess like where in the process, <clears throat> maybe it was during, maybe in the edit, Maybe when did you kind of realize like maybe what you had and what it could start to open up? Um, I don't think 
well, me personally, I don't think we realized what we had until there was like a response to yeah. it. I still remember being very fearful to put it online. <laughs> yeah. uh, we actually didn't get very positive feedback from like trusted mm -hmm. no givers. Like it was all over the map. And I remember I was actually sitting. At we the may desk. have crashed the net a little. I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting at this desk because I remember almost being like in tears. Like, I don't know if this is good anymore. I'm too close to it. And Dan just like put his hand on my shoulder and said, you know this story best. You just got to put it out mm -hmm. there. You just got to like be done. It is, this is the story. This is the version that you want people to see. You just got to send it out there. Um, which I think has been a, something that we've stuck to intuitively oh. moving forward. It's like, you're not going to please everyone, but you have to, at the end of the day, have your own creative integrity that like, this was what I believed in. I can't try to measure everyone's happiness, you know, and it's just not possible. So, um, I, it was good. So, well, yeah, it was, it was, it was also like, I think we, I felt like we had something special when I first started seeing the cut come together. There were certain, you know, like when you're, it's not a co cohesive feeling of like, wow, we have something, but you have individual scenes right. where you're like, wow, that is working. I'm feeling something, you know, at a really deep level. And I think other people will, will feel that, but it is like this interesting crucible you have to go through where you feel great about it. Then you get notes that make you feel have to, psych yourself up to say like i either i either trust our our innate gut aesthetic instinct or i don't there is no middle ground there like otherwise just don't don't do it like you you at some point you you can acknowledge in humility where you need to grow that we always need to learn that people have incredible insights and perspectives that can help you and change what you make i'm not talking about obstinate yeah. Like, but I'm at the end of the day, you, you kind of know it in the moments where you're like, Oh, I'm right. right. Because I know, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's like, where you're like at the end, like someone needs to just say, this is the way it needs to be because this is the story that it's supposed yeah. to be. And so we've had a lot of moments, we had a lot of moments that, uh, in the cage, um, experience, particularly on the post side and a ton of that during concrete cowboy at all levels of development. Yeah. But I think that, you know, we got to make the cage in a pretty small vacuum. I mean, <laughs> we were like basically off in, in this, in this office, just the two of us for months, you know? And so I think that was definitely a big difference moving from a passion project. that was a short, we just had so much control and no, not a lot of voices. Uh, and so there was kind of a, a, a nice purity to that, that process for sure. What, what do you think is more, uh, crushing like that kind of feedback on a script that's yet to be made or something that you've shot and people aren't necessarily responding to it that like you're hoping they they would i mean something you shot it's already done <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, at, a, at a script level i like i can endure a lot of painful notes because it's like all i gotta do is delete it and write something different right. or go i need to execute it and then they'll feel it yeah right. yeah. yeah i mean that's yeah you can kind of like be like, okay, well, you're, you don't, you don't see what this is going to become. So, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. but, I, but then also like, it's obviously a lot easier to make, to make changes. Did, did you guys end up using um, the cage as some sort of mechanism?
mechanism to stations for Concrete Cowboy? Is that essentially what you guys did after it had that success? Yeah, I mean, it, it, so yeah, once we put it out, that started getting us some attention. Well, I should pause too, because I think this would be helpful for the audience. It's like, we put it out, you know, our vision for it was, the ceiling was pretty low. We were like, right. let's get a staff pick and get some commercial work that's cooler out of this, you know? And then obviously we knew we wanted to like move into narrative, but that was such like an ethereal yeah. goal that I think it was like, let's do both. This could be practical. And when, after it came out, it, it garnered almost no commercial work. This is like a side note. <laughs> I garnered any. Yeah. So yeah, almost none. We're meaning none. Yeah. Um, <laughs> zero times zero is zero. So I think, you know, in hindsight, I, I have a lot of understanding of why that happened, but it, it, so now it's almost like an affirming element of it is we made something that could only garner momentum in a narrative yeah. space because it just didn't as well translate to the commercial space. And it was kind of our first indication of like, wow, this, these are different sports mm -hmm. that are existing. And like, that there's not that all the rules are different, but the process by which you build momentum in those sports is different. Um, and there's, there's nuanced, you know, differences between it. So I think all the momentum that we did get was like solely on the narrative side, no commercial momentum at all. And so, yeah, we, and so we, I was going to say, we are, are um, um, one of the producers on the short film who was a location man, does all of M. Night Shyamalan's films and shows in Philly she sent the the short to a producer named Jeff Waxman, um, Jen, Jen Madeloff. And they saw the short and that was really the beginning of the momentum. So it wasn't like it was on some public platform that someone saw I and mean, it was really out of relationship. We did have like a few, we had a few like, you know, agents that had seen it, someone passed it along to them and reached out and that kind of thing. But the biggest momentum was through Jeff and Jen. Um, who saw it and basically like immediately drove down to Philly to meet with us. Um, and they're very well-established producers and incredible people. And, and they were the first ones to be like, okay, what do you guys want to make next? Well, um, and at that, what, is that, what does that feel everyone like? Everyone wants that question. Conversation. <laughs> <laughs> What's the initial sort of, you know, thought, where do you go to, to start actually? I mean, even just the phone call, like, what does it feel like? Where does your brain go? You know? Well, we were ready. We had a whole treatment for what was then Ghetto Cowboy because of the book. So we're like, we, want to make we actually had two projects. Is that because you felt it coming? Like, is that because you just felt that there was oh. going to be, or just didn't, it's just, you didn't care? No, it was, uh, I was part of the advice from Sam Mercer mm. was be prepared for it. That's to so good advice. And because that's, Inevitably, the next question, if you make a short that someone loves, they're going to go, what do you want to do next? What right. movie do you want to make? Uh, I think, think the biggest, I don't know, what do you, do you got anything? <laughs> yeah. Well, or like, when we, so right after we, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but like, we went on this, like, whatever they call it, like a water bottle, water where after we got signed to William Morris, we met like all these different like studio executives and, and other, you know, you know developing people, financiers, and the meetings are great. It's like a love fest all over the place. But they asked that question and we, 
we had a conversation. I can't remember where the guy, what agency he was from, but he was saying that that's a common issue that he sees with like commercial directors that make a short film and then they get into their office and they're like, what do you, what are you excited about? What do you want to do next? And their brain space, their perspective is, I thought that's what you were for. Like now I'm here, I made it. So you're the, you're the big Hollywood agent. So like, shouldn't you be getting me a script that I can make next? Not that that never happens, but I think we're in such like a writer director, you know, driven environment, I think, or at least that's a, a helpful thing that having your script or scripts that you're ready to jump into is super for that moment. It, it felt like all of a sudden the last 10 to 15 years of work that we did when no one was watching was suddenly valuable. And I was suddenly grateful that we had woken up early every Saturday for the last 10 years, written and our wives thought we were crazy people. But <laughs> yeah. like suddenly it was like, wow, we were actually preparing for this moment. How long had you been sitting on what's now Concrete Cowboy? Was that something that was developed before the cage or, and then how long did it take? What was that process like for you guys? Uh, came actually right on the heels of, we had just released the cage. And so this is spring of 2017 and we were actually speaking in court for our apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. We met our first cowboy, his name's Eric Miller. He had been new and like a week out of jail, already bought a horse. We struck a conversation and we were familiar with the book at that point. Cause I had read the book back in like 2012 yeah, I just kind of flagged it as, man, that would be a great movie. Yeah. And so he was familiar with that. He's actually, we showed him the cage, which was great because he brought like eight cowboys with him to our office. Awesome. And they knew everyone in the movie because it's North Philly. So it's like, like oh, that's so-and-so. You know, they're kind of, it was like they're watching a comedy, which is strange. But they liked it. Oh, there's Pete. Oh, look at him. Like, just like. I hope this is connected. <laughs> it's funny. We, we finished the short. Greatest compliment you can get, basically, is that them all just kind of nodding, like, you got me right. You got yeah, me cool. right. I remember Eric looked at me, you made this? You made this. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe let's, let's press pause. It's worth maybe diving in a little bit to, um, you know, your, your connection to Philly and your apprenticeship and kind of diving into some of that real quick. Cause I think that does kind of inform a lot of how you see the city. So maybe let's talk about that just for a second. Sure. Yeah. So the company neighborhood founded in 2011 with that mission in mind, Ricky like founded it. He left working for, for Sam to start neighborhood and the whole um, idea and mission behind the company was to hire um, individuals that are coming out of incarceration um, into an apprenticeship at our company. So they learned everything on the producing side, the project management side of filmmaking, so that the skill set that they come out of our company with is super transferable to a lot of different industries. Yeah. So we've had apprentices that stay in the film industry. We've had some that go into one uh, ad agency, uh, real estate, um, a law firm, like a lot of environments. Yeah. But basically, they're with us for an entire year. It's paid full-time apprenticeship. Um, they travel on projects. And, you know, one for the skill set, but then like on the second half of the apprenticeship, we essentially become their agents. You know, there's just a huge gap in terms of their social capital when they're coming out. And so we're just trying to live 
literally build out as much of a network on their behalf and go to bat for them and kick down as many doors can. Um, and so in of itself has been a beautiful and incredible experience over the last 10 years. Um, but like anything, it, doing that and being a part of it has led to all kinds of incredible relationships yeah. and insight and, and learning experiences. And every year we learn from even more from the apprentices. And so that story about Eric is just, a, just one of many examples where, you know, doing that work um, allowed us to, to meet that became extremely formative in our lives and our, our careers. You released the cage and you've had this mind, uh, something around, um, I, what would you even call it? Uh, I don't know, like the stables, like what, 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 how do you like refer to that whole kind of thing that was happening uh, as far as like, yeah, like uh, urban cowboys. Urban horsemanship, yeah. cowboys. Uh, so you had that floating and then um, you guys were like, we need to do something about this immediately. <laughs> how did it go after you released yeah, the cage? Just, uh, I mean, the visuals alone, when you see these guys riding through the hood, it's just, it's like this, these beautiful animals going through these neighborhoods. It's quite a sight, you know. Um, but then just learning more from Eric and this other gentleman, Mill, who actually is in the movie, um, you know, learning from them the actual history of their culture, you know, how they are being threatened by gentrification. You know, they joined up with what is still the sincere effort, which was to gain attention to their community to help save their stable culture in the city. And so, you know, when they teamed up with us, it was like, you know, back, back in 2000, like, you know, let's make a movie with you guys as all the actors and, you know, almost like a doc style yeah. shoot, but narrative kind of like the cage. But first we got to write the script. So, you know, we spent, over a year, pretty much just hanging out with them. And we would record stories. They would sit down and just tell us stories so we could learn how they talk about horses and what the, you know, being a horseman in the city meant. Mm. Talked about the book, talked about everything. Um, and then they would just invite us to the stables. We you know, rode on a horse with them. We went to their parties, <laughs> got drunk with them, you know, <laughs> big, big barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, that was a pretty, uh, amazing process in and of itself um yeah and then we you know dan and i started putting the script together and then we sat with them with the script and went through it and they told us everything we got right and everything we got wrong <laughs> we wrote and you know it was constantly just filling the pages with their voice and making sure that they you know the script really became an articulation of the spirit of the place it's not like the film is very much I don't know what you would call it, like a magical version of how they feel the place is. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's like a documentary style. This is exactly how it goes down. But something that Eric really stressed is, you know, he wanted this film to capture like the spirit of Fletcher Street. And so that's something that we constantly would go back. He would tell us a story and be like, oh, my gosh, we got to put that scene in the movie. Yeah. So it was really cool. It almost felt like we were just, it was like cheating, having these guys so closely connected to helping us write this. Even then when we went and shoot it, you know, there were about five of the cowboys that were literally on set every day, even when we weren't down at the stables, 
literally like standing behind and making sure I didn't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, talk, or, and talking to all the actors. Yeah, or too. as Al, one of them said, I can't let you mess this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what, yeah, what was the, sorry, on, on that point, I, I did want to ask, what is the, um, you know, the cage and Concrete Cowboys is so heavy sort of street casted in a way, you know, like you're trying to get the influence of like the actual place. War Station, you know, while it was getting funded and made to bring Idris Elba in to sort of inherit one of those roles, you know, and maybe talk about the importance of that for, you know, financing or, or stuff like that. People who need to maybe think about, um, obviously you guys had the opportunity to bring somebody with a name in, um, in this situation, but how important is that versus remaining that sort of street casted voice, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, Idris came along because we, so we got signed out William Morris um, with a great agent, his name's Rich Cook. And he, you know, I can't stress enough even on that side for people that are probably like, how do you get an agent? You know, make sure you love your agent and love to talk to them. I know a lot of people that don't. And I just think it's, that's a sour way to have a relationship. Rich, I feel like understands us and knows that we're makers and builders and entrepreneurs and like, you know, understands that he's part of building that. Um, and we met a lot of agents that um, just didn't click in that way. So, you know, I think be patient with that process. And also make sure that they connect with you at like a human and heart level. Yeah. That's that's the stuff I think that, that will be the fuel. Makes it sustainable. Yeah, it makes it sustainable that they like understand your your ethics and your what, what you care about and what you believe in, not just your creative point of yeah. view. I don't, want, but, I don't want to get on too much of a rabbit trail. I want, I want to talk about Idris for sure, but... Um, you talked a little bit about going on your water, water bottle tour, um, for people who like kind of probably fantasize about what that <laughs> might be like, maybe, um, talk about being in the room and things that you responded to or didn't respond to or red flags about who you're sitting across the table from. What was that process like for you guys and, and what kind of led to your ultimate decision for who, who to sign with? Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. I'm not a downplay. It's, it, it feels fantastic. It's exciting. So. You're, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Going to these places that, like, you know, you drive by and it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. It's like, I wonder what it's like in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what it feels like. And you're like, all of a sudden, I'm going into William Morris' parking garage and I'm actually I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> <They're letting laughs> yeah. They want to meet um, So it's a balance of, like... Totally what you're saying, Jared. It's like this, it is, uh, you have to like pause and say, wow, this is like part of uh, uh, whether it's a childhood dream or whenever it started. Yeah. It's really, really cool. But, you know, I think like anything else, once you're in the room, it's just human beings talking. And I think when you're there, you start to immediately, or hopefully, you, you kind of reaccess the, the most grounded parts of yourself yeah. and go, okay, well, like, all right, I'm here. And who do I want to, if, if this continues on this crazy journey to progress, I have to really think seriously about who the right, right fit is and who's going who's gonna to be the best partner and, and collaborator. So it becomes very like if, you know, commercial director deciding which production company to go with or, you know, who to collaborate with on a project. It becomes very grounded and human in that, that way, but it, it certainly was an amazing experience because it is part of the fantasy. It is a part of the, like, wow, what would that be like? And, yeah. and, you know, largely those meetings are incredibly positive and affirming and like, 
you know, they're like, like I said, they're, 45 minutes of people telling you how great you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, awesome right. <laughs> yeah. So I, again, but I think it's a groundedness so that that doesn't become a danger that you're, you're, you're yeah. doing that and you're, you're developing and, uh, an inflated view of, of yeah, yeah, yourself yeah. in any way. But yeah, so I think for us, like Ricky and I, like we, one of the things that in that decision that we really connected with, with, with Rich is that it's an odd thing to say because you know that you're just at the very beginning of your career. You're, you're a nobody, like in, yeah. in many ways you still are that, but you, you, you kind of have to in that moment, imagine that you're not <laughs> and imagine what if we did have the trajectory that we do want to have, who would be the, who would be the agent or manager that would be able to go on the whole ride? And so we were able to, because of the way that we think and our aspirations also like development wise, and that's just the variety of things that we want to do, you know, that's what ultimately in, in some sense, along with his character and vibe, Rich was a great fix. We felt like we wouldn't have, as we grew, he would grow, he would be ready to, to grow with us or to, or he's already at, at a level where he's with artists that have grown yeah. um, versus maybe some other agents where we're like, you would be amazing from now until our first or second movie. But I could already see that, that it, we might reach a ceiling together that could be problematic, yeah. which of course sounds ridiculous. Cause you like, when you say, the phrase would be it's like stupid it's like why am i saying that to myself but you kind of have to yeah. you have, we here yeah you have to believe it and then make decisions out of that otherwise you know it'll come back to haunt you yeah that's great uh that's really good advice let's see if we can fold that back into kind of the interest conversation um you guys yeah. assigned to 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 uh to, decide to sign with WME and then how does that kind of inform some of the development process for concrete recovery? Well, it actually goes, I mean, Rich was a huge catalyst for that because now we have an agent that genuinely believes in us. Yeah. And knows that we are fresh to the market. Like we're all we've made is a short, we haven't made a feature that, you know, had a nice little moment at Sundance. Like we literally made a short that, I mean, a lot of these people and agents and producers don't even know what Vimeo staff picks are. So it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. by and large, he was moved by the piece. Yeah. And he also believed in like us as filmmakers. He believed he really was into our apprenticeship. Our whole like, he could, you know, see like what little industry we wanted to have here. And so he believed in us. And it was him that pitched to Idris and his agent, um, in a meeting that Idris wanted, you know, to tackle a project that he could star in and produce that was uplifting to me. Mm. And so Rich literally pulled him into his office and pitched him, get a project for you. Wow. And so it, it was another, like everything a filmmaker hopes and dreams is Idris actually read the script on a plane. On a, yeah. He said he read it on his flight home from LA to London. And when he landed, he, already sent it to his execs and they're all like, Oh my gosh, we got to make this. Whoa. Yeah, tell, was, tell us uh, about getting, uh, hearing that information for the first time. I remember this email from rich, from our agent that said happy Easter. And it was, it was a, it was a forward chain from Idris saying, you know, they loved it and let's do this. And like, let's get on a call. And so it was insane. I remember, it was a very happy Easter. Uh, it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. What was, what was uh, I mean, obviously being around him, 
what's his persona on set? Like, what? How does he sort of maintain, you know, a character? In your opinion, like, how does he sort of deliver himself? Uh, he's awesome, man. He's a man of the people. Yeah. I mean, we were like, this was, you know, this was his ground and pound filmmaking. Like, it was just Cage 2.0. We didn't, you know, he did this film out of love. It wasn't like a, you know, this wasn't his project here. It was like, I mean, we did have a trailer for him, but you know. Otherwise, he was just out in the street hanging out with the cowboys or on stoops with families. Um, it was really awesome. I mean, he was a, an incredible presence. Yeah, he was. He seemed to be very focused. Beautiful things about how the cast came together. It's, it's about half and half of actors and people from the community, which we ultimately felt was just. It's a. It was a beautiful thing because the 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 actors and because of their pedigree elevated yeah. the work of the, of the yeah, community yeah. members that were in the film and the community members grounded the work yeah. of the actors and helped them melt into it. And so there's this beautiful kind of synergy that happened between them. But Idris was an amazing leader on making sure that that bridge was always being built between the two, you know, so he was always kind of like, he was, yeah, he was like the mayor, man of the people. And it was a really exciting, you know, before shooting scenes to watch the actors like soaking up knowledge from the real cowboys on like what the scene would look like. And then the real cowboys soaking up like acting tips on like being present and how to like, how, to listen, how to listen and all these moments happening. And it was a really, there was a really beautiful trust that while, well, yeah, we had a script and what, there was lines written, the like freedom from both sides to be like, we know Ricky wrote this, or we know Ricky's in this, but this is our movie. Yeah. We're yeah. cowboys, this is our movie. And so constantly informing like how the scene should be. You know, I mean, they were amazing too, because they don't give up, they don't care at all who the actors are. I mean, they're like, like Miz or Al in the background, like shooting a scene, like, you can't do that. They're like, yeah, like, that, come on. Just like, just razzing him. Like, the, yeah, like, like his form on the horse. Like, just like, no, this is no. <laughs> And just like, just talking so much shit to him. And like, it was and while he's, he's trying to act. Really playful. Yeah. Or, or feeding him lines. Like, say this. No, you would Whoa. say this. How, Ricky, like, awesome. how are you navigating all of that as a director? Are you just kind of like, I mean, I'm sure there are moments of just kind of like letting it just kind of happen between, like you said, kind of like more like the actual cowboys and actors. Yeah. How did, how did you kind of find your place in all of that? I would let them go wild. And, yeah. you know, a, time, a lot of times I'm just sitting there waiting to find the diamonds and what is happening. Yeah. And then there were, I would say, less frequently times where I'm like, okay, this is getting way off track. We need to refocus. And I'd give context to why, like, mm. we're to the script here in the greater context of the story um, but a lot of times there's like some great a lot of stuff that made the cut that was there was a hum, like a huge amount of freedom given to the actors to paint this world you know and yeah. so there's a lot of ad living there's a lot of relationship moments I think you know one of the actors that was most amazing was Lorraine Toussaint mm -hmm. like I can think of three or four moments in the movie that were not written, prescribed, but she's just constantly so present. She became this like emotional guide through the movie, just yeah. through her looks and like 
or listening. It was crazy. I think about too, like Byron Bowers, another he's a comedian, actor, and he was unreal. Like he, I mean, he like anchored some scenes that he had a lot of scenes where he was the only actor amongst all community members. And what he did to like rein them in, no pun intended, but also just like keep the the narrative movement of the scene going while also just completely melting into the vibe. Because at the stables, there's a very like a lot of just like, it's like shit talking and it's like just very like natural and kind of like off the cuff. That's the yeah. vibe. So he, we had a lot of scenes and, you know, we had shot it in 20 days. So we had times where, we would be like, we had just finished some like complex sequence and then we have to like rush over to like in front of the stables and shoot this scene. That's like two and a half pages of dialogue yeah. uh, in like 30 minutes. I mean, there were some days we did 12 pages. Yeah. <laughs> because we, did, we got rained out three times for half days. Within that 20 days. And weren't allowed to go over schedule. So it was like, gotta make it up somewhere. Do you guys mind, but he you would, guys mind would, saying yeah. what the budget was? Yeah, it was just under six okay. after the after the tax credit. Twenty right. days, huh? Jeez. Yeah, I was sold now. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, give us give us like maybe like uh, Ricky or or Dan like lowest point on set. Oh, that's an easy one. We shot a. <laughs> I mean, it was one of those nights where it was a, it was an overnight. And, is this a uh, shared, uh, shared story? Like this would be like both of your low points? Just curious. Just curious. I don't know. I, I think so. I had a few. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it I in mean, the tent? I will say largely. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of equipment too in the in the stable. So once that comes out, it's like, <laughs> really painful. And I will say on a large scale, it's like. You got, I mean, you whether it's narrative or not, there's always those like moments where you're like, you feel so low that you can't imagine that the movie will ever be good yeah. or what you're doing will ever be good because it's just like, A, you're just so far in it. But it now we have this like removed mm. like sense of calm, and all we remember is the beautiful like romanticism, you know, element together. <laughs> yeah. But it was, I mean, it was a fist fight the entire way through, yeah. and we had several moments where we're like this is this is too much this is like we're not this is not going to be what we want it to be and and kind of just taking it one one hour at a time but we had one night in particular that was an overnight and it was like a bunch of horse stuff bunch of um you know stunts with horses and then we had a rain sequence and like a ton to to get through yeah and there was like a good amount of acting moments to get through as well. And just so many technical difficulties, things that we didn't, you know, curveballs at the beginning of the night that we didn't yeah. uh, expect. And I just know it was one of those nights where Ricky had to look at his shot list and cut it yeah. like 75%. Can you be more specific? Like maybe like, a, a, like an actual moment, like kind of walk us through it. I'm trying to think what. You're talking about the baseball field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we can talk about it. There's, there's a scene that takes place in the movie at a, you know, a horse gets out and at a, at a baseball field and it just had horse stunts. It had it's a cute yeah. moment in the movie between Idris and Caleb. There's a whole nother scene after that there with Caleb and um, 
the young girl Mercedes, who you know played the opposite. Just, but nothing was going right. It was, um, you know, the horses weren't doing what they were supposed to. Um, a lot of the stunt stuff just wasn't working like we had first. There was some miscommunication in a lot of areas. Um, it really became like a. Um, we all had to like lean on each other. I mean, I think I remember that was a moment too where Idris was like more present in the emotionally what was supposed to be happening and like course corrected me because mm-hmm. I was like losing my mind and really like helped shoulder uh, the right direction of that scene. But a lot of it, I, I went, that was like a moment where I had to get my, you know, one man band filmmaker bag yeah. and like, I'm going to pull out all my tricks right now. We're going to shoot this fucking scene. <laughs> you, know, like, you know what it reminds What was interesting is, again, just like not, this concept, I think is, a, I hope, an encouragement is like nothing, nothing is wasted because we literally had almost the exact same experience on the cage. Yeah. Everything in the cage that takes place in that kind of ethereal rooftop with the lights and like all yeah. of that was shot in one night overnight and the first half of the night was rained out. I mean, it was amazing in the end because it was a beautiful natural letdown that looks incredible, but we didn't know that, right? Like, and we had to break for lunch. We hadn't shot anything. You had enough. Five hours of sitting. Five hours of sitting. Hadn't shot anything. Massive, <laughs> massive shot list. You know, the vines and practical elements. And it was just, I remember everyone went to lunch. And it was just me and Ricky sitting, <laughs> like couldn't even eat our meals. Yeah, I was crying. Yeah. I mean, not, I'm like, to be completely transparent, like there are moments where I'm just like, it's, I'm probably just more emotional in general, but like you're so, I didn't anticipate the fatigue. Yeah. My physical. Did you feel it like slipping away? You felt like, yeah, man. Like I'm like, I can't just so tired. You're making me like be mentally sharp too. It's just, but that happened on the cage too. Yeah. And then it was that we had to like, feverishly and then we you know there was no we were fighting the sun sun comes up days over on that so it was the like, same though same, kind of, yeah. we had a week of overnights and it's like once the sun starts coming up you're done um but yeah it was uh there was like some debilitating moments that's right i would encourage anyone who's making something like you have to put, surround yourself yeah as producers but definitely as a director with people that you trust with your life like I was, um, I mean, I couldn't have done it without Dan, without State, Minka, my DP, holy shit, like, I couldn't, like, yeah. the guy that saved me, our AD, Christo. I even think down to, like, Tucker, you know, who was our producer, but financed the film, his, like, continual belief that we could keep going yeah. and do it. You know, I mean, the obstacles that I mean, were just never-ending. Yeah. So yeah, it just, was, like, his poise on it was set. A, it was yeah. a constant safety of, like, just keep going, you know, to the end here. Um, but that night in particular was a very, very arduous night because now the scene, like we did a bunch of test screenings um, before we like finished. I want to hear about this. It's, like one, of the, it's one of the like most highly rated scenes. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> so People love it the most. I'm just like, well, in post, we spent the first, I think, month alone just on that scene. Wow. Just to try to make work so like shot. not kidding. like it was like we cut together every shot that was shot that night yeah conjured wow. together <laughs> yeah like witchcraft and but, but i will say this too just like to, to kind of tie a, a bow on the low moan thing part of that too is being your first feature yeah. 
because you don't know what you don't know and you don't know what's catastrophic and you don't know what's going to be okay. And you don't, because you you can't really be like, well, remember three movies ago when so-and-so did that, like when an actor did this and we were like, we made it through this way. Like we had no, we had a lot of really experienced people around us, which was wonderful. But, you know, for Ricky and I, it was a lot of moments at the end of the day where we look at each other and be like, I hope we're doing this right. You have no no perspective. Yeah. Even when, you know, Jeff and Jen, our producers, be like, dude, you're doing great. The dailies look amazing. I was yeah. like, do they? I don't. Like, <laughs> I don't. Like, I can't see which way is up right now. Like, <laughs> Did you guys edit the film yourselves? Uh, we had it. I mean, we were there every day, but we had, we had editors. Um, what was it like um, the first time just watching the, you know, initial first cut? of the movie was it painful or was it uplifting what, what did it feel like i'd say it was, well it's it's a mix of both because the first cut's so long right so it's a weird thing where you're like you're watching something that you know no matter what it feels like your movie can't be two hours and 47 minutes long right. so you're like you're kind of it's a little bit of a different experience because you're gauging what should stay what should go what's not you know what's working working what's not but I think it's always it's a mixed bag I think at least for me personally it's like an incredible like moment of gratitude and like awe that you're like watching like oh my gosh we made it through that shot this and it feels like like we made a movie like it feels like it and it and there's things that are are really really working so there's a lot of like excitement but um you know, particularly with when you're working on a, a smaller budget, you know, it's not like you have a lot of time to celebrate. It's like, it is heads down. I mean, my memory of the entire process is just like very little time to breathe ever from the mo- moment prep to the moment we delivered the film or, or we're done with it. It felt like you just, you don't have a lot of time for reflection, reflection, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and I think that's, that's hard for Ricky and I because we are, that's part of our personalities. We like to, to slow down, to like get up early, to have reflection. And, you know, when we were, we were making concrete cowboy, like, I mean, in prep, obviously shooting hours are crazy, but like in prep, we'd start at six, three in the morning and get home at 11 at night. And you're talking, we were working Saturday, Sundays too. Yeah. So it was, it was, you know, you don't have a lot of time to be, to really reflect. So even in post, it was like, okay, cool. Like, Glad that worked. Let's keep going. (laughs) Let's keep going. This season of Good is sponsored by Musicbed. We had the chance to sit down with their CEO, Daniel McCarthy, to talk about why Musicbed exists and how they're helping creatives further their craft. We felt like there was all these indie filmmakers and a ton of indie musicians and they needed each other. Um, Like we all know, like the best films are a marriage between the moving picture and music. I view it as an ongoing ecosystem that continues to, you know, increase the value of art that continues to allow artists to support other artists. Thanks again to Musicbed for sponsoring this season of Good. As a good listener, you can get one month subscription free if you go to musicbed.com good. This season of Good is also sponsored by Film Supply. Here's their CEO, Daniel McCarthy, again on what makes Film Supply the best stock footage resource for films. The footage being licensed is the footage coming out of passion projects from filmmakers, and, and it's because it is the most authentic 
cinematic and it's the it's all the stuff that all the filmmakers have put all their blood sweat and tears into and it shows like you look at a clip and you're like oh my gosh that's a motive i want to use that the guys that just go out there and shoot a day for stock like that's not who we are i mean that's not what we're about like we're about helping filmmakers fund passion projects and seeing the footage from these passion projects actually get used in commercial ways Thanks again to Film Supply for sponsoring this season of Good. With Film Supply, you can license stock footage from world-class filmmakers like El Ginter, Diego Contreras, Masio Frost, and more. Plus, if you're short on time, they have free footage research available to help you find exactly what you need. Learn more at filmsupply.com. Tell us about, because um, you guys are both married uh, with kids. Um, I don't want to get in, I don't need to get too personal, but I'm, I'm curious like how that how the hell you pulled that off? <laughs> you know, I understand why people get divorced. Yeah. Right now. yeah. <laughs> Not easy. <laughs> I'll say we're a fortunate a couple of ways. Like our, both of our families came with us. That's cool. Stay in the Philly. So first and foremost, like kudos to our wives who, you know, took, took that on and, and, you know, and also in some sense took it on blindly because it's their first film you know to be a part of in this way right so we kind of all decided like let's go have this adventure but you know again with little time direct i think a lot of what my wife and i talked about is like okay i remember being like halfway through it and we can't do this for a living (laughs) life life killer like there's no way you know on, on that front and then i remember starting to get a little bit of like a rhythm and talking with Julia, just like, we got to start thinking about what is balance going to look like on like a 10,000 foot level here. Like this is unbalanced what we're doing right now. And remembering too, that this is probably the most unbalanced form of making a movie that we'll ever do. If we, if we can have a career doing this, if we're fortunate enough, we'll, we'll get more choice, more freedom, more time and more money when we make things which will help balance within the process of making a film, but it's never going to be banker's hours when you make a, a movie. So talking a lot about like, what is large, large scale balance look like once we're through this process, how do we then really make sure that we're achieving almost an unbalance in the other direction, rest and time together to offset that season of unbalance that was yeah. You know, can be can be super difficult and, and corrosive on the on the in that way like you know as awful as it's been personally the the pandemic and what it's been for in relation to our kind of timeline is like 2019 was chaotic yeah. to the beginning of 2020 but then we have not traveled yeah, right and we've been able to really kind of offset that um, a bit. So I think it's, it's definitely for Ricky and I, and everyone's different, you know, and we're also, you know, I feel a great deal of empathy in that sense for someone who is working in the industry and just going from project to project, like just back to back, because that's the role that they're, they're in. I think that's, a, I, I, I can't, that's, an, that's a really challenge where for us, we can kind of come out of that going like, well, we're going to need to have like extended seasons where we're just yeah. writing and extended seasons where we're maybe just overseeing things. And then we're going to be very conscious and careful about what projects we choose to actually take mm-hmm. through. Cause we know now yeah. what it means and what it's going to, what, what the expectation is on our families. 
Um, so I think we just we have a lot more fear and trembling about those decisions now having if, gone through it. If you did have to look back at, you know, you guys had the money you had, you guys gave yourself 20 days, you know, you had like in the process, do you feel like there was something that you could have changed in order, like what would you sort of sell out to, to gain more of that balance with Concrete Cowboys? Just more time and money perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I would have taken more time and prep. How many weeks did you uh, guys prep for? I mean, we probably had eight, eight weeks, but that was not even, that was not even full crew. I mean, we had that was like we got out there early. I think we were we were total of ten, like but on our own, dime. on our own, yeah, just for free, you know. And then we had certain like department heads start at eight weeks, and then a lot of crew starting at like six weeks and four weeks. So it's like, I mean, it was you know, it was a chaotic pace. So imagine if we had three months of prep or more or whatever, like, you know, you wouldn't necessarily have to fit. Right. I mean, we were, we were tackling so many different avenues every day, like every day included like all this work and then like a five hour scout, like every day, like scouting. I mean, in a lot of ways, there's, it was an unavoidable lesson, both for us personally and our families. Cause you just, I, you learn most through experience. So we now all, both families know the traps. We know mostly what we didn't do well and what to be prepared for. Yeah. You know, um, there's like a more realistic embrace of what this is going to be like. Even if we had four more months of prep, there's still going to be periods of time that are not normal to our schedule now. We're like, yeah. I'm working till 10 o'clock at night because we have to go scout somewhere at night or like right, yeah I right, mean, there's just unavoidable realities to prep and shooting that it's just that's what dan's talking about we've learned that like then when we're not shooting to be proactively restful and anticipating that we will one day be back on set and so that our families know that we do have balance outside of that movie making experience because that was something katie and i had to somehow digest you know our my time was particularly tragic too because uh katie also got pregnant while we were in prep so then she had like pregnancy problems like she, <laughs> pregnancy was, problems. she was sick we had a three-year-old in a hotel room and i was gone literally every single day all day and she's by herself with no wow. help. So you yeah. have guilt like hanging heavy like this is why am i here what is happening <laughs> yeah yeah like, I'm sick on the couch when my three-year-old just destroys this hotel room. <laughs> and daddy's not home. Daddy's making his little movie. Yeah. So there was like definitely a, we had to have a collective agreement that this sucks, but I have like I have to focus on making this successful order. Otherwise, everything that we're it's doing really, yeah, is yeah. worthless. Like it's for nothing. Um, so definitely coming out of that was rough and we would have, you know, hopefully she doesn't get pregnant on the next month. <laughs> <laughs> and would make it easier. How, how about for, for you guys? I'm curious if it's not clear, uh, Dan, and, and correct me if this is wrong, but, uh, you know, Dan's a co-writer and producer and Ricky, you're, you're a director and, and co-writer. So you guys partner with the company and have worked together for a long time. What was this experience like for your relationship? How did it kind of test the, the waters of um, what you guys have been through together? You know, I would say from my perspective, it just it fortified it more. I mean, I think we, Ricky and I, I think one of the things that we have always has drawn to us to one another is we kind of each independently um, 
seen some some suffering and yeah. and and um, experienced some some loss and trauma, and so we've always kind of besides the personality and and humor and all the other ways that we connect in terms of our personalities, I think that has always really forged a deep bond yeah. in us as we kind of like trust each each other to wade in the deep deep waters together. And so, you know, I'd say if anything, like not having Ricky was a lifeline every day. We, we, we went in the same car to the set every day to prep together at home. Like, so we always kind of like look at each other and be like, completely free to like express the stress we were feeling yeah. it was incredibly important um at least for me it was just like i didn't i mean we, we obviously working together we're both on the table people there's no like under the table person here so like it's not like we don't have conflict like constantly and like whether we're writing or whatever not not like corrosive conflict but like conflict. um but it was just like in this, this was almost such a like fire hose of stress and intensity that like we didn't even have time to fight with each other. Like we were just like hanging on to each other, like like <laughs> you know, we're gonna be okay. Like I just thankful that there's another person going through it. Uh, I think, you know, what's hard too is there's you know, I'm just thinking of like if someone's listening to this that like worked, you know, worked on the movie, they're like, man, I would I wouldn't have known it was that hard for them. But what was special about our relationship is that we were able to have like the confidence to be exhausted in front of each other, you know, where you're just saying like erratic things out of exhaustion and anger That's just <laughs> out of exhaustion. Like it was a safe space to just like be like, what the fuck is happening? But I, a lot of that I think is there's like this mental pressure on the whole thing where it's like, we have waited for this moment our whole lives come and it's hard, way harder than I could have ever imagined. And so all my hopes and dreams as a little kid of wanting to make a movie has arrived and it's just blistered with like complete hurdles everywhere and struggle and my own identity wrapped up into whether this is successful or not. So there's a lot of mental angst that someone who's a third party who just is like knows us as Ricky and Dan who have this company and made the cage. Like, of course this is going to, go off swimmingly yeah. don't don't have the burden of what i think a lot of artists and people that care passionately about being the best you know didn't have that burden and then i think it's actually just genuinely really hard like i think um there's a catharsis in it too though i think what when you have that someone that you can unload that stuff at the end of the day with then you can start the next morning being a good leader again you know and that's what I think Ricky means by like, I don't know if a lot of people would even recognize that, that the experience had those low points for us or that we were struggling, not because we were faking it, but because we were able to like be honest with each other, but then recognize that the moment called for leadership that was driven by presence and empathy and, and kindness and collaboration, because that's the only way, and it's going to show up on screen, obviously, eventually, but also, you know, given all the constraints, there's, you can't have a corrosive environment trying to shoot a movie in 20 days. Like it's just not, it's just horrible leadership to, to do that. So yeah. I think it, it gave us a chance to kind of like bleed out the bad stuff. So that <laughs> we, we can be corrosive together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. We always say that to each other when one person is just losing it. And the person losing, I'll be like, oh, sorry, man. I'm like, no, dude, you gotta, 
do it, man. Get it out. Rounds off. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you finish production, you get through post or kind of kind of fly through post and, and talk about, um, yeah, like kind of festivals and the reception and, um, you know, what's where, where the film is kind of at now. So maybe walk us through that if you would. Yeah. I mean, every step of the way to, we don't know what we don't know. So right. we're constantly surprised, but I, Oh, that's a really good thing. Or exciting. Yeah. I'm not sure how much, insight even in our experience is going to be that generalized because what's happened this year is so specific you know there's probably some things that carried through but like we as ricky mentioned finished the film like literally like right at the end of february early march the plan at that point was like post like yeah, finished film. Done, yeah, yeah, finished, yeah. yeah a finished film yeah finished film so then the plan was to kind of take it out then to distributors and and obviously COVID hit. And so, you know, um, in a sense, like we were in that moment reeling a little bit from the reality of like, we had given all this time to this project and essentially was not like forever on a shelf, but it was just paused, like nothing. No, like we can't, the, the world is crumbling in too many ways. And, and it's just not, I mean, and rightfully so it's not in a, the right time to, take it out. So we had to spend a few months with that kind of liminal space of just like, okay, well, I, I guess we'll talk about what the plan is for this movie. We like killed ourselves. For <laughs> real. Like, you know, yeah. You. It was a real, it was, you know, it was so funny because the entire time, like all the agents at Endeavor who took on like selling the film the entire time, like just wait until it's done. <laughs> selling it is the funnest part, you know, like, and they're just like pumping us up, which, you know, well, I was getting I'm, like, we were talking about we did like the audience previews it was getting like tremendously high scores so everyone's like holy shit this is going to be amazing you guys are in for such a ride we're like yeah they <laughs> finally can celebrate we did it it's like nope yeah, yeah it was it was sad man i yeah. was like very i was like god why is this part of why is this rot with like trial that is it is it, but it's extremes right like Cause I don't want to paint the highest highs highs in the world. Yeah. It's like extreme, like joy and amazingness. And then also like, it just, this project always has had those kind of like two faces to it. But anyway, sat on it then for a couple months. And then basically once I think it was maybe in in like July, the kind of team came back together and was like, okay, what, what's the plan here? And then that was when the the decision was made to, to utilize Toronto. Well, first it was Telluride. Telluride. Tell you right, kind of tell you right in Toronto together, and then then tell you right. Obviously, wasn't able to happen this year, so then Toronto became the kind of launching point. And of course, we have an incredible gratitude for the festival um, for finding a way. I mean, a lot of films got sold at Toronto, um, mainly by Netflix, um, but it was uh, you know incredible that they that they put all that effort in and their team to, to make it what I thought was like, given the circumstances, a really compelling experience for, for buyers and, 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 and people that wanted to see the films. So, um, so yeah, they, we took it to the basically like a, a new and surreal experience to see um, people write about what you've made. And that again, feels, you know, new and some of it feels great. Some of it feels not great. Right? Um, <laughs> And, you know, again, learning on the fly, like you kind of like have to learn what you can do as an individual. Like, are you a person that's like, 
I can't read negative reviews. It's not, it's not helpful. It's not, it's not informative. I'm not like taking notes and then I'm going to apply that to my next film I make. Like, yeah, that's, that's when I learned. Yeah. I, I that was a good learning experience for me for any filmmaker. I remember right after the film premiered, then all these reviews started hitting. And the first one I read was variety, which basically was like a love letter to, to me. Like, yeah. yeah. Ricky did everything right. And I think he's great. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, they're, they're loving it. And then the next one I read was, was basically like, this is a piece of shit film. And, and, <laughs> you didn't say and, that. No, but it was, that's how I interpreted it. And, <laughs> yeah, of course. And, of course. Self as a human is worth it. And, but I remember thinking, I was like, Oh my God, wait, there, that, wait, there are people that aren't going to like this. And I decided, I told Dan, I'm not reading bad reviews. It's not, this is not going to be a good thing for me. And so Dan would always have to tell me, here, you, you can read this one. Or you can read this one. They say a couple bad things, but mostly it's good. Like, you can on this part. Yeah, Dan, Dan can read them all without, but I definitely yeah, I can, I can like, be pretty, pretty unemotional about it. It was definitely a learning thing of like, oh my gosh, when I say negative things about movies I don't like, someone actually made that. And yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it's, it's, also, it's also, man, it was such an interesting learning experience kind of being a little bit on the other side where you realize like, man, like why the way we even talk about films is like, it, it kind of almost inspired me to be like, man, just don't make sure whenever you talk about a film, you really you start with what you affirm about it. You think we just, because of the way social media is, the way we even think about it, it's like yeah. immediately, like what's the one flaw you saw or didn't like about yeah. something? And I'm like, now I've seen the process and like thousands of people worked their ass off to make this thing. And maybe it worked and maybe it didn't, but like, man, start with affirming what is a miracle that they made this film and what's yeah. working about it. And then of course like critique, but like just the, there's a, I don't know, being on the other side kind of gave me a, a good lens into how that is that, yeah. you know, every filmmaker that ends up with a film that, that, that people don't celebrate um, didn't mean they didn't work so hard to make that right. film and make it, you know, make the best it could. So um, anyway, so we did we did that, and then um, obviously that endeavor did a bunch of really cool things to like help the film get sold. We did like a drive-in in LA, which was really fun with a bunch of buyers. Um, and then you know the conversation started with netflix and that was something where idris and lee daniels really really helped and went to bat and made personal yeah. calls and and really you know got behind behind the film and why it's an important story to tell and and all these really incredible things so if for us i mean we were we were part of you know obviously the overall strategy in some of those calls but that's also a part of the process that where you're finally like off the helm you know like you can't you can't control it so Part of that's nice, like finally, like not having the burden on you. Like, oh, good, a whole not, a whole different team of people is working to sell. <laughs> no, you know, the movie has now its own life. Like, it is yeah. determining its future because yeah. you can't control how people respond to it, you know, and what it means to people, both positively and negatively. So it's interesting to see, you know, even what it meant to close collaborators like Idris and Lee, who really believed in the movie and wanted it to have a great home. You know, getting involved on like who should release it and who should you know buy it and um, you know it's just it's a, it's just so foreign and there's nothing that can prepare you for the experience as you've like made this thing that has your name on it and now everyone's touching it and commenting on it and putting it in places and it's very it's 
It's very surreal. Well, obviously, I mean, we're so pumped. I mean, how complex the year has been in some sense. It, it, that process did get simplified because, when, you know, after we finished the film, it was obviously the strategy was around choice, right? Depending on the home, home maybe it was better for theatrical release, maybe it was better for a streamer, maybe both, whatever. Like, so I think in that way, given all that's happened this year in our industry, to find its home in Netflix is, a, is an enormous, yeah. you know, victory and, and we're so excited so it'll it'll come out in spring and we actually call them next week i think um to start nailing down the exact date and marketing approach and that kind of stuff and they seem to be really really adamant about including the filmmakers in the marketing process and in the rollout which is which is uh which is exciting um and because there are so many amazing stories kind of behind the story of like how yeah. to get together um i'm hopeful that some of that's stuff we'll see yeah. I do I do I mean I'll speak for me and Jared but you know obviously going through this process like it definitely probably affirms the idea that like if any movie is made it's kind of a miracle yeah. like it's so impossible of a thing that happens um, that I think to be where you guys are now like a huge fucking congrats yeah. you know like just a <laughs> You know, I know you get that probably a lot. You've gotten out, you know, a couple of times already, but from the lay people, from the, uh, <laughs> from the mirror. It's, it's made a feature. What are you talking about? <laughs> it, it, the one thing you guys said was like the highest highs, lowest lows. Like there's nothing in between, you know, on an indie, some, like something indie where it's like, like on a bigger feature, you can kind of look around more, I'm sure. But when it's just you guys and you guys have kind of, <laughs> It's like, it's like, it's only us, you know, like we, we have to make this thing. Otherwise no one else is going to make it, but it's, um, I mean, fucking congrats, man. It's, it's yeah. so cool. To see. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, uh, Christian shot a film, his first feature in October of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Is that right? Um, you guys have obviously been down the road almost completely now and I'm like scratching my way up <laughs> trying to get <laughs> things uh, off the ground, you know, so it's interesting kind of even just like within like the three of us kind of gathered here. It's like uh, the spectrum of trying to get stuff made, you know, and I'm sure the same with people who are listening. So it's cool to um, to hear your story. Uh, do you feel like you can kind of like give Concrete Cowboy a hug and kind of let it go now? Is that kind of where you're at in the process? Yeah, I, I I think so. I mean, I know it's not out yet, so it has a whole other, as we're being told, it's really going to have its, our day in the sun as filmmakers is still yet to come, but yeah, I think I've... That'll be so fun. I can't wait for that. Yeah, for you guys. I think in some ways I've, the festival stuff prepared me for like the good and the bad of yeah. the greater yeah. reception of the film, whatever it'll be, good and bad. But to hold it and say, you know what, at the end of the day... Like I'm really proud of the movie. Yeah. The movie I love, the one we made, is like I feel proud of. You know, we didn't have to compromise in any way, um, whether people agree with the decision we made or not. But I also am just like cherishing the relationships and the process that came through the crucible of making it. Yeah, has been really cool. Um, like that shared collective embrace that it's not just my movie or our movie, but it's like everyone's movie that was involved. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely feel like a piece that we're moving into. Okay. What's next now? Mm. Yeah. Us. Like this is the first, we did it. Well, that, that is the big question. 
I do want to ask one question on just the uh, production thing. When you guys got to the end of the day of the last day, or like maybe just winding up <clears throat> to the last day, did you guys get like a residual amount of energy where you were like, I, I could do this again if I had, to. like I could go another 20 days if I had to or no? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm me. thinking of bigger movies, you know, more time, more budget, like these shooting schedules that are 60, 90 days. Eventually it's like, obviously you're learning lessons now, but I'm wondering if, um, you know, there is maybe a second gear that comes in at some point, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, I was I, probably because of my mind works a little bit more like I'm like pragmatic. I start going like, yes, I can do longer, but I also know that what longer means is not me experiencing what I feel after 20 days days now what 20 days of this is not the same as 20 days in a 90 right. day schedule exactly. right yeah. so understanding like i think we both could have kept going because if we had to we would we would do it but i i definitely think it was and i remember this with the cage and it might just be personal to us i don't know about you guys but like i just have a very hard time feeling the weight of finality and excitement when i've like just finished whenever i'm wrapped i'm like just take me home and put me in a bag, you know, like, I'm just like, yeah. I'm not, I don't, I have no ability to like, see what it will be, what it like, like be excited about its future. I'm just so, I'm more just thankful, like, okay, like, oh my gosh, we got through all the pages. Mm -hmm. Like this, we shot the movie. I know there's some stuff that's really going to work. That's about as far as I can, I can go on it. So I, I'd say more, it's almost more like relief than it is a second win, you know? Um, yeah. But. yeah, I think we can all we can all uh, <laughs> understand that yeah. feeling. <laughs> yeah. Here, listen. Uh, what is next? Do you guys have something kind of on the on the docket? Uh, well, right now we've been spending time. We're uh, writing John Wick Four. Sick! Congrats, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've been, we've been doing that with with Lionsgate. That's been a, a awesome, awesome guy. I said the next move. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot logical. Yeah. When you watch Country Cowboy, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of knife throwing throwing the amount in the stables. Then, you know, to be fair, it was exciting. I mean, we love those movies, so it was a very exciting meeting. But the director of the franchise saw Country Cowboy and said it was his favorite movie of the year. Wow. Like a really cool. What was cool is that, and again, that's like the weird opportunities present themselves, but like, one of the things he articulated, he, he said, I like how you guys created and you created a mythology about this place. Mm -hmm. Like there's a mythology and there's like a, a classic narrative structure that you created within this space. And there's obviously mythology to John Wick. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I want, totally. I want to bring some of those, those things to, to the next film. We feel like projects exist in like three spaces for us, which is like one is as writers, and then one is like more like a grandfather executive producing, overseeing a project. Um, and then obviously the third, the ones that we want to, to write and then take all the way through. So I think that's kind of what we're, this is the first time we've even had the possibility of looking at projects that way. And so that's kind of like a lot of what we're doing, our, spending our time with is like, what are we excited about and what, what kind of bucket does it fit in for us? And, and being patient too on that, that third one, Again, based on the yeah, time before, yeah. knowing that like what it means to enter into that, but also just making sure it's the right fit, and making sure that we shouldn't like 
we don't know what's going to come out of once Concrete Cowboy actually releases. You know, we don't want to tie ourselves to too many things too quickly. I think it's also strange to be in a position where like Concrete Cowboy was so built out of relationship and passion and like hunger to tell the story. And I mean, by the time it comes out, it'll be four years of working on one movie. Yeah, that's that's worth noting for people. To yeah, say. like and you it, have to love it to, to it, like stick with it. over so many hurdles of like starts and stops and ways that yeah. have died on the vine, and like to recognize that I was just talking about this morning, Dan. Like, I'm trying to get my head around as a director that every movie I make, I don't have to like kill myself over to get made. Like, there are going to be some stories that just creatively like excite me and I want to tell that like most directors that we all watch their movies it's not like every movie was birthed out of like pain and <laughs> yeah. struggle it was like man I just really loved that book <laughs> <laughs> you know so it's barely um, um, coming out of that Don't forget, this season of Good is sponsored by MusicBed. Go to musicbed.com to check out over 700 indie artists and composers with record label quality music. And remember, as a good listener, you can get one month free off any subscription type. Just head to musicbed.com good and use coupon code good at checkout. This season of Good is also sponsored by Film Supply. Licensed stock footage from world-class filmmakers. And do not forget to take advantage of features like shoots and scenes, craft an entire narrative with extensive collections featuring the same talent and settings. Plus, if you're short on time, they have free footage research available to help you find exactly what you need. Learn more at filmsupply.com.